Welcome to episode 161 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Keyboard Warriors edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm with my co-host, the former iRacing Indy 500 champion, uh, computer genius, a gentleman, and a scholar. His name is Josh Fine. What's going on, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil, as always. Um, of course, we had a really interesting weekend of racing um, across you know, NASCAR, you know, to an extent, in um Formula One and even IMSA at Sebring. And then, of course, got March Madness basketball uh, going on all weekend as well. So, yeah, plenty to go on uh, in racing and just uh, sports in general. Yeah, definitely for me as a Jersey guy, seeing Princeton make the Sweet 16 for the first time since the 60s or something is pretty cool. FDU having a chance late in the game to fairly Dickinson University going and beating Purdue. On uh, Friday, and then almost coming through. I mean, they had a hard time last night, but the fact is, they're the smallest team in the NCAA tournament, so they were going to have a hard time with that pacing of F at Ford Atlantic. So credit to them. They would have had a home game at Madison Square Garden if they had won, though. Uh, we'll probably talk about that at some point, but we'll definitely talk about NASCAR here. You know, all three races took place last week get into the saudi arabian grand prix which wasn't won by fish lips it was won by his teammate uh peco perez uh the roundup will uh talk about the cluster that was the end of the 12 hours of sebring which saw the top three cars overall in the race all get destroyed with 18 minutes to go uh we'll get into the points and the points repercussions of all of that uh formula the fia wec started and wouldn't you know, Toyota won again. But there is positive signs with Ferrari and with Cadillac. Maybe not so much other than that, but we'll see as we go along. Formula 2 was at Jetta last week, so we'll get into the results there. Supercross raced at Seattle, so do that. Rally Mexico, historic, another historic win uh, for a legendary driver. The MotoGP season starts this weekend at Portimao. Uh, there are American riders in Moto2, so we'll focus on that and MotoGP. The Arizona Nationals at uh, Wild Horse, whatever, pass. Um, in, um, I think the last time they're going to be racing there, so that'll be something. That Formula E Sao Paulo Epri also be coming up this weekend. And then we'll do our uh, picks and uh, we'll preview and make picks for Circuit of the Americas triple header this coming weekend. Josh will do his sim segment and call it a day. Yeah, let's start with uh, the NASCAR Cup Series at Atlanta. It was the Ambetter 400, Ambetter Health 400, you know, at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Last lap pass uh, for the victory by Joey Logano uh, over his former teammate, former teammate Brad Keselowski to get himself his first win of the 2023 season and more or less solidify himself in the playoffs uh, for for 2023, leading the most laps. He won stage one, finished, finished second in stage two, swapped with uh, Gumby, his teammate, in the second stage, led the most laps, 140 of the race's 260 laps, and was able to make that pass there with uh, on the last lap or two laps ago or whatever to go and uh, 
beat Brad Keselowski, who's trying to break nearly a two-year winless streak because we're getting to that point because he won at Talladega back in 21. I think it was the last time he won. Uh, Christopher, yep. so Brad Keselowski uh, was second. Christopher Bell, third. Corey LaJoy scores his best career finish again, this time a fourth place. Tyler Reddick, who wasn't feeling all that great, but somehow was able to get through and finish fifth. His car owner, Denny Hamlin, was sixth. Ryan Blaney, seventh. Eric Jones, eighth. Ty Gibbs, ninth. So his best career Cup Series finish. And Kyle Busch, an unhappy tenth. As I mentioned, uh, Sindrick got a playoff point and from winning that stage there's other people who led the race and got so you got chastain led once for five laps bowman got stage points so they were 13th and 14th respectively oh richard finished 17th he led one time for seven laps truex scored stage points but uh, lost track position late in the race um, even cody ware led a lap so that's something um he was only one position behind chase briscoe who started eighth uh don't get it I'm, I'm getting sick and tired of them running like crap every week except for one it's it's getting old uh daniel suarez got involved in uh one of the late race incidents or no i mean yeah one of the later race incidents eric almirola and kyle larson while eric almirola was leading the race they're running a one-two Almirola blows a tire and they both fall out. You think about it in terms of Hendrick Motorsports for all the guys that got penalized. Larson finishing 31st and Byron finishing 32nd does not help their cause in regards to making up their huge points deficits. Uh, Kevin Harvick was up front and whether it's from air or whatever from Chastain got turned and got destroyed. Harrison Burton and Chris Busher were um, and BJ McLeod were um innocent bystanders in that deal so yeah logano dominated it really wasn't all that interesting but in the end he had been buried in the third stage with pit stops and everything having to get back up there is very difficult to really move up um unless you're very unless you were strategic or you had some methodology and of course joey logano is one of the best uh plate racers out there so he was able to figure out something. The cautions landed the way they did. Of course, you have the choose cone as well. All those things played in his hand, and then he was able to get the right runs. Christopher Bell was able to help him there late to make that pass on Brad Keselowski and uh, get that victory. But, I mean, essentially it was a Ford benefit, and, I mean, I'm not mad about that by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, the, I think, yeah, the highest Chevy in the field was eighth. It was, or no, Corey LaJoy. Yeah, sorry. So Corey LaJoy, Eric Jones, and Kyle Busch, so three in the top 10. I mean, even Gagson finished 12th, I told you. Like, usually when you go to super speedways, you figure Chevys are going to be up front, but in recent times, Fords have been pretty strong. The RFK team has been good the last couple of years with this car. Uh, you can, to a lesser extent, Stuart Haas. But Penske, of course, is going to stand out the most because of Joey Logano. And Josh, I mean, it's not shocking that Joey Logano won. It's on. It's his first win at Atlanta. That's pretty shocking. But the defending series champion has uh, uh, given himself a nice cushion to work on a possible repeat here after that win at Atlanta. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Ford is uh for stands for first on race day, of course, you know, with uh, Joey Logano um winning uh in dominating fashion, very convincing fashion, and really it was no uh other, you know, manufacturer that was going to win that race. Um cuz obviously, you know, Ford they've figured out something on super speedways and now Atlanta because it's a super speedway now. Uh but uh 
Logano was up there for a, a bunch. Keslowski, um, who's really been impressive this year, finished uh, second and uh, couldn't stop Logano in the last lap, led 47 laps. So, you know, he's leading the turnaround for um, RFK and looks like, you know, this year they've led laps in every race. So, you know, they've uh, done uh, a lot in the off season to definitely improve. Um, but uh, Logano, um, you know, he looked like in the closing laps, the last 20 laps, the bottom lane just didn't have enough strength, you know, compared to the uh, top lane. Uh, I guess there was enough tire wear uh, to where more stability would be up, up on the top, which is not really surprising, to be honest. Um, I mean, not because of the plates or anything, but just because, uh, you know, over time you, you need uh, more grip on the bottom to be able to hold the bottom. And um, the top, you know, tends to win out in those types of battles. Um, and the grip was starting to fade away with you know, the bottom lane cars and, uh, Keselowski had control over the top lane. And, uh, I mean, I think, you know, if it weren't for, um, Tyler Reddick and, uh, Chris Bell trying to make a move on, you know, two laps to go, um, you know, to get to the inside of Keselowski, it's probably is a different story. Maybe potentially Keselowski, um, being the first guy to ever, uh, do the winner's interview from the outhouse there. So, um, you know, definitely, uh, could have been different there, but, you know, Logano was able to make a move on the last lap and turn one and two and get to the outside of Keselowski and make the pass for the win. So, um, yeah, credit to him for doing that. Um, but like you said, though, it wasn't really all that interesting of a race. I mean, yeah, it was close. Like the pack in, in the pictures, um, everybody's close together. Um, they're, you know, you have momentum changing, so you get one lane taking the lead eventually. And then the other lane where it's lower the inside or the outside taking the lead, uh, later on. So yeah, definitely. Um, it was kind of more of that type of racing, you know, similar to the Daytona and Talladega. Um, and certainly, I mean, yeah, as last lap pass, which we've seen before at Atlanta, but, um, I think, you know, the Carl Edwards over Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt over Bobby Labonte, of course, Harvick over Gordon, which they're calling back to that paint scheme at North Wilkesboro for Kevin Harvick, um, in his first ever win in NASCAR, you know, finishes like that. I think we're a lot more cooler to see than, uh, this, you know, this type of racing and, um, so, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's the track per se, but it's just the, the package running a super speedway package on a, uh, mile and a half oval. I think it's not the right idea. Um, although they kept it clean for once, it wasn't as, uh, you know, crash fest like last year. So from that end, at least that's one positive, uh, to take away. Um, the only real crashes that happened, obviously, uh, Chastain and Kevin Harvick got into it, uh, up front. Um, that wasn't, I can't really say that was overly aggressive driving. I think, you know, Chastain was trying to give a bump draft and just, um, I think he got Harvick loose off the spoiler kind of, um, maybe like within an inch or less of touching the rear bumper and, uh, Harvick started to get loose and then, uh, spun out and had the big one on the back stretch. Uh, and then of course, uh, Eric Almarola spinning out as well, uh, and collecting Kyle Larson up front, um, you know, they went too long on tires there. So clearly there is a limit with the tires, even if, uh, you know, they're on restrictor plates or tapered spacers, whatever, uh, on a repave track and everything. So it still kind of matters at least. Uh, so, I mean, it was an okay race, but you know, nothing really exciting to, you know, if you're you know, a real race fan or anything like that, 
um, but at least it was clean for the most part. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. And, you know, I, I did place a bet at the beginning of the race or before the race on Keselowski to finish top 10. So put 10 on that and, uh, on, uh, even odds. So got it back. And then in the middle of the race, uh, I decided that I would bet on Ryan Blaney since he just got back in the lead lap and they had him at the live ad odds had him at 4,000. So I was like, well, you know, if you put down 10 there, that's 400. So, uh, thought it, thought it might happen and started to get a little bit nervous as Ryan Blaney got up, up towards the front, uh, and everything. But, um, you, you gotta be in front to be able to win at this track and at Daytona and, uh, you know, Talladega. And, um, unless you try to make a move on the last lap, once you get up to second, it's really hard. Um, you know, if you're not the lead car to be able to take the lead and of course, you know, Penske cars, you know, they're all going to team up, uh, for the most part although Austin Cindric seems to think otherwise, you know, it seems like him and Ryan Blaney don't quite gel together, but, um, you know, for Blaney to be able to go and win, he would have had to make a three wide move at some point, uh, to be able to get around his teammate and, it's going to be hard to be able to do that unless they got separated and, and, um, you know, he ended up in the top lane or something like that, uh, to be able to get around Logano. But, um, yeah, I mean, it could have been, you know, I can't say it could have been better because, um, you know, it's Atlanta the way it is, but, um, uh, you know, at least we get to see a last lap pass and whatever. And, you know, at least it seems like the fans there enjoyed it. So, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, tough to say, but uh, this is the new Atlanta now, and certainly it's going to be here to stay for a long time. Yeah, hopefully they go to a one and a half mile uh, track package, uh, the the cookie cutter package they have versus Super Speedway. Eventually, uh, it's more like slot car racing that they have there, and you're just expecting something to happen. Uh, after how embarrassing the Daytona 500 was this year and maybe a lot of the recent super speedway races have been in general across all three major NASCAR series. I think the some of the older drivers, veteran drivers, took it upon themselves to actually try to have a clean race like Josh was mentioning. And for once, they actually did. Still as boring as fuck. But it was, they had a clean race, so uh, for whatever that was worth. And um, Brad Keselowski, uh, Josh had the Tate Fogelman algorithm pick him. I picked Brad. Uh, there was a lot of people who were thinking Brad was going to win that one. He wanted to win this one. One spot short. But I have a, I feel like Brad's going to win here at some point sooner rather than later. Uh, the RFK team is in a lot better situation than they were this time last year. And the same timing when uh, Hendrick cars all got nailed for penalties was I think this weekend, a uh, particular weekend was when Brad Keselowski got nailed for the first of two massive penalties his team got last year. So much different time. He's in playoff contention. So there's a lot of positives to take from that. Uh, Bell continuing to show that he's probably the number one guy at Gibbs at the moment. Hamlin hasn't exactly had the greatest start to the year. Um, I mean, Hamlin is in the top 10 in points, but Christopher Bell is second in points overall. Um, and Joey Logano is the overall points leader, and he has one point lead on Christopher Bell. Uh, Ross Jastain is third. He was the he had been the points leader a couple weeks ago. Uh, now he's five points back in third, going to the track where he won his first career race, cup race. Blaney, Keselowski, Harvick. Four through six, Harvick lost five spots after his wreck yesterday. Brad gained four. 
Kyle Busch and Truex lost two each. Denny Hamlin, Daniel Suarez, Gumby, O. Richard, Chris Buescher, Corey LaJoy, Tyler Reddick, and Bubba Wallace are, in terms of total points, uh, the uh, the the top 16 now, of course, when you consider Will Byron is locked in because he's got two wins, even though he's 28th in points that knocks uh, Bubba out. He's nine points out of the cutoff, which is held by uh, his teammate, Tyler Reddick. So right now, Tyler Reddick and Corey LaJoy are the last two people in the playoffs. That's uh, it's early in the season, but you know, it's pretty crazy to see the performance also. I mean, you got to give uh, a shout out to the penny stacker himself. I mean, Spire definitely is putting all their energy in trying to make that seven car actually be relevant, probably because they're hedging with their their charter, knowing that charter deal because of how bad the other car runs or has run over the over time. But LaJoy getting another top five finish on a super speedway type track. The momentum they've had this year, it's a positive sign for one of the smaller one of the smallest organizations in the sport to get that kind of finish. And right now, albeit, you know, to a manipulated to a point because three people would three drivers that would be generally ahead of them are not because they got massive penalties right now after five races they're they're in in a contention for the playoffs it doesn't seem like it's out of the realm because they're running good enough uh so I mean, that's one thing. Reddick, after a rough start to the year, has turned it around the last two weeks. Um, Eric Jones, it's been a rough start in general for Legacy Motor Club. So for him to get a top 10 finish was nice for the organization. I mean, both their cars finishing in the top 12 with uh, one of their car owners coming back uh, this coming week. And Keebler from tailback to finish ninth. So getting his best career cup finish it's been a struggle for him in this gen 7 car so to get a top 10 finish uh is a positive sign he for a kid who's not used to losing he's getting humbled which is nice um same for gregson because he seems really depressed these days um yeah barry got a top 20 out of that i mean i guess that's that's all um we'll see what happens with all that stuff uh, at Coda next week. Uh, now it'll be road racing. We'll get into some of the changes that have taken place there with the road racing uh, this coming year. Uh, yeah, got Justin Marks talking about Trackhouse. It says multiple races and multiple drivers. At least at least uh, Kimi Raikkonen running this weekend at Coda and could be more races, but then there's other people in play. So who knows, maybe Elio Castro-Neves gets in that car at some point. All right, so we'll get into the Xfinity Series Raptor King of Tough 250. The results, uh, well, wouldn't you know, Hank Hill wins again, won stage one, won the race, led the most laps. Kligerman um, won the other stage and got wrecked off of the bumper of Daniel Hemrick on the final lap. Uh, Austin Hill, Daniel Hemrick, Ryan Truex, Parker Kligerman, Riley Herbst, the top five, Brett Moffitt, Josh Berry, John Hunter, Nemechek, Sam Mayer, and Justin Haley, your top 10. Uh, Sieg and Custer just outside in 11th and 12th scored uh, stage points in both stages. Alfredo and Clements actually scored stage points. Brandon Jones, Bruckshot Jones, another top 20 finish. Sheldon Creed was up there early in the day, but 
felt we got shuffled back. Chandler Smith had a rear gear that relegated him to 28th. Uh, was it Justin Algar got in a wreck? So big uh, loss of points there. Yeah, wrecked by his teammate again. Wrecked by his teammate again, which is just great. I'm sure that Dale Jr. is going to love talking about that on the download. Uh, our, the the uh, algorithm pick, Parker Retzlaff, started 17th, but got wrecked and finished 27th. Uh, Chad Chastain making his uh, Xfinity debut, finished 24th, uh, sandwiched with some cellar dweller ride buyer types. And um, I see anything else. Yeah, Sammy Smith started on pole, but finished 17th, probably because he's a rookie. And uh, Brennan Poole from 29th to, to 13th. That's a good job by them uh, with the, what do you call JD Motorsports effort. But I think the bigger story isn't the fact that Austin Hill has won three of the first five races. And it looks like it's uh, at least initially, it could be a runaway in the regular season for him. But the fact that Josh Williams, he had incurred damage in a wreck early in the race and they were trying to repair it. It was very cold uh, at the racetrack and the bear bond that they put on his number 92 Chevy didn't stick very well to the point where it flew off. And then to a further point where they NASCAR decided to put the yellow back out and in turn park Josh Williams for not for improperly improper repair uh, of their race car. So Josh Williams uh, in his infinite wisdom uh, said, well, you're parking me. Sure. I'll park the car. They wanted him to park in the garage or they, I mean, I guess they would have wanted him to do the Kyle Busch, which is park right in front of the garage, leave it there and walk away. That would have been better. But Josh Williams uh, being the man of the people that he is, parked his car on the start-finish line, got out, waved to everybody, gave the peace sign, and uh, was uh, getting cheers for um, that whole deal. And then promptly was taken to the infield care center and then had to sit in the uh, Xfinity Series trailer for the remainder of the race until, uh, what do you call, what's his name? Uh, my, uh, what do you call, Wayne Auten came from down from upstairs to give him a talking to. So I think that was the most entertaining thing that happened in that Xfinity race. I mean, I'll admit I was bowling, uh, so I didn't get to really see much of any of it. Uh, but when you look at what the results were and how many laps uh, Austin Hill led, I don't really think there was a whole heck of a lot that happened there in that race. Um, I mean, Hill basically was, yeah, Hill led the last 63 laps of the race and from lap 93 to 163, so 60, so 70 laps, I guess the last 70 laps, he led 69 of the last 70 laps of the race, so I think everybody and their mother knew he was going to win that deal, um, for whatever that may be, um, I don't know where to go with this, uh, Josh, but if you have anything to add there, uh, Austin Hill is on a heater, three out of five, three out of five races won so far this year, um, Josh Williams becomes a story uh, because he went and rage quit and left his car on the track. And, you know, now he's gained a lot more followers on social media. No, I mean, it's a attention grabbing move, whether he intended for it to be or not. And I mean, it's like what you said, what are you going to do? Find me? I mean, yeah, what are they going to do? And, uh, you know, he did exactly that. But uh, I mean, it's interesting because I've never seen that, not the him walking out of the park kind of deal. Um, Cause we've seen that 
in before, I mean, go back to the seventies, uh, Bobby Isaac, if you remember it, well, I don't, you probably don't, I don't know if you knew about this, but you know, he, I think one day, like he was, I think he was racing like late models or something and, or it might've been cup, but he just got a sign from God or something to, you know, quit racing that day. Yeah, so he parked the car and went home or whatever. But, um, that's kind of what I thought of, or, you know, something like that. Um, you know, or other people just parking it, but, um, yeah, I mean, that was a pretty big move to, to do park it on the front stretch, right on the start finish line, right in front of, you know, the whole world, uh, to go and do that. And, you know, it was, I mean, the move on NASCAR's part, what I was trying to say is just to park him for dropping parts like that. Uh, I feel like, you know, he's probably seen cars like have issues like that before and they never parked him, uh, or parked the, the driver for that. So, yeah, that's the part I'm really curious about. Um, and I can't confirm it. I was trying to look at it a couple minutes ago, but I know that they, on at least on Reddit, they were saying that Josh Berry kind of had the same issue with, uh, you know, Bear Bond falling off or whatever uh, during the race, but they didn't do anything to him. And it's all because of who he drives for versus who Josh Williams drives for, which, I mean, yeah, uh, that's can't say I disagree with that. Um, you know, NASCAR picking and choosing once again who to fine or not fine or penalize and not penalize. So, Selective yeah, enforcement. Yep, yep, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's it was pretty entertaining. I mean, even freaking uh, Antonio Brown caught wind of it on Twitter and tweeted something. I think he tweeted out like two emojis or something, and it was there for like 15 minutes. And I think he deleted it or something. But yeah, I was like, well, you know, even he knows about it. And I mean, of course, he knows all about leaving the game earlier whatever you know when he left the bucks new york jets game a couple years ago uh and then got cut by the team uh the following monday so yeah of course um you know it was a pretty entertaining move and probably gained a lot of fans from it so not surprising to see that as well um and now he potentially could appear on uh door bumper clear i think and maybe even on actions detrimental so uh should be interesting for um to see what he what else he has to say you know if danny hamlin's going to cover him on the fines or whatever uh if he gets any so be curious to see what comes out of that but yeah i mean that was the most entertaining aspect out of that race uh obviously um i mean even if the race were good i think you know still uh would have been the most entertaining thing that happened in that one um but the other i think the other part of it is you know austin hill Obviously, he's won three out of the first five, which, yeah, right now is pretty dominating. But, you know, remember, you know, in the last couple of years in Xfinity, um, we've seen multiple drivers be dominant throughout the year. Uh, you know, obviously, 2021, obviously, was the battle between Cindric and Almendinger throughout the whole regular season, uh, which, you know, was pretty entertaining to watch. Uh, you know, Chase Briscoe and uh, Cindric the year before in 2020. Um, and then, you know, last year with uh, Gregson and Ty Gibbs going at it throughout the whole year trading victories. So it's early on. And, yeah, he's, uh, you know, showing he's here to dominate and everything. Uh, but let's let's wait and see a um, couple more months, see how, how many other drivers put their name into the win column uh, and everything. And if it's going to be a you know pretty competitive year uh, for uh, multiple drivers and everything. So, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing how the season plays out in that storyline. Um, but uh, got to give uh, Parker 
Kligerman a lot of credit for not crashing uh, Austin Hill, you know, coming to the checkered flag. Obviously, he had runs to the outside, and then, you know, for whatever reason, Daniel Hemrick drifted up uh, into his left rear fender, and then uh, Parker was about to hook uh, Austin Hill in the right rear and somehow just managed to keep it off of him. In, or well, I mean, he still made contact, but he was able to somehow lessen the amount of contact and um, not take out Austin Hill, which um, you know obviously takes a lot of um, you know thinking, a lot of talent to be able to do that. Because uh, normally, when you see those kind of impacts, you know both of them go straight back into the you know up into the wall. So definitely give Parker Clearman a lot of credit for being able to um, not crash uh, the leader on the last lap and at least let the you know guy who. Uh, had the best race, you know, he was the most deserving winner uh, come out of that. And of course, Parker Clearman comes across fourth uh, sideways ba- uh, or backwards at least. So um, good finish still for him and everything. But uh, Austin Hill comes out and wins the race. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, a lot of cautions in this one too, 13. So a lot of yellow flags. And then, um, you know, on the other hand, you mentioned Josh or uh, well, yeah, Josh Berry getting into it with uh, Allgaier, and then Allgaier, you know, pretty much said what we said earlier with you know how they've basically uh, ruined Atlanta um, and the package and everything with the super speedway style racing that we see at this track, and um, pretty much said what I think a lot of the you know traditional fans um, who understand what real racing is about. Um, what they said or you know what they've been thinking about Atlanta, what Matt Weaver probably thinks about how they. Uh, have Atlanta and what probably 95% of the garage thinks about how Atlanta is. So, um, yeah, that was a good quote there and everything, but, um, yeah, kind of curious why Hamrick tried to make that move on the last lap to, you know, wreck, uh, Kligerman, but you know, last it happened and everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's okay race and everything. I mean, didn't really watch too much of it. Uh, I myself was watching basketball, um, and kind of flipping back and forth between it. So I didn't really see too much of it, but yeah, I did see, I did not see the, uh, Josh Williams thing live. I think I saw that on Twitter, but, um, um, the, uh, other stuff, the, the finish I did see. So yeah, uh, not, not really too much, uh, to take away from that other than, you know, we have a new entertaining moment, uh, you know, of the season early on. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens this weekend at Coda. Um, I don't think anybody's going to uh, walk off, um, leave their car at the start finish line. They have way high, very high walls at Coda there next to the start finish. So you have to walk around there. Um, points as of now, Hill with three wins and he's had three additional stage wins for 18 playoff points. He has a 46 point lead on John Hunter Nemechek, the only other uh, or, or John, yeah, I was about to say, but then Sammy Smith. So there's three winners so far that are regulars in the Xfinity or all of the, yeah, the, the all regulars, the truck series or hasn't been. Uh, so the, those three guys right now are pretty solid. I mean, yes, Sammy Smith's a hundred points behind Austin Hill and he's 54 points behind his teammate, but he has a win. Riley Herbst right now is tied with John Hunter Nemechek for second in points. Chandler Smith, fourth. Justin Allgaier, fifth, even with the wreck uh, this past weekend. Sam Mayer, sixth. Sammy Smith, seventh. Josh Berry, eighth. Cole Custer, ninth. Hemrick, tenth. Kligerman, eleventh. And Sheldon Creed on the bump spot in eleventh. Uh, extends his uh, gap 
to uh, ahead of Brett Moffitt by now 14 points. And then he's got a 17-point lead on Ryan Seek. And going to a road course where Sheldon Creed is one of his better uh, disciplines, I think, is road racing. So it might be an opportunity for him there to go and gain some ground. Truck series ran. I mean, the rain, they had... Uh, rain out for qualifying and practice so they were set by points as well along with the xfinity series uh the fr8 208 uh won by christian eckes as his uh second career truck series win he won for thor sport at vegas a couple years back or whatever nick sanchez had a run tried to make something happen there late Try to get his first career truck series victory, the defending ARCA champion. Uh, he finished second in the Gainbridge Chevrolet. John Hunter Nemechek third. Bailey Curry fourth. Ben Rhodes fifth. Matt D. Burrito sixth. Chase Purdy seventh. Timmy Hill, credit to him and his uh, family run team, finishes eighth. Matt Craft in ninth. Uh, led the third most laps in the race uh, and won a stage too. Um, and then, uh, what is it? Jack Wood. So two, the two, uh, what do you call, Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks uh, finished all, well, to be honest, the two is also a Kyle Busch Motorsports truck. So all three Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks finished in the uh, top 10. Uh, Ty Majeski started second, finished 11th. Deegan actually had a decent run. Christ, uh, she finished 12th, Brad Holmes, like all these drivers, 32nd, 33rd, 35th, Ryan Vargas was 35th, and he came up to 14th, um, Akinori Ogata driving that POS 46 truck, he had spun early in the race, came all the way back to 17th, actually got a lead lap finish, there were actually 25 trucks on the lead lap, um, the, uh, I don't know what that was, but, um, yeah, yeah, so they start, and that guy's starting parked, okay. Uh, the 34, Mason, there's, yeah, wrecked. Corey Heim gets wrecked. I was trying to go and look at the picks. I know you picked uh, Austin Hill, so uh, to win in the Xfinity Series, so credit to you on that. Yeah, uh, you picked then, Corey Heim in the trucks and Jake Garcia's wild card, and then yeah. I had John Hunter and Roger Carruth. Roger Carruth, and then you had Purdy as the Fogelman yeah, the, pick. Yeah, the algorithm pick so uh kind of was a nothing deal in the truck series race unfortunately but hey it is what it is uh i mean for christian eckes there's 11 caution there's a total of 23 cautions between the trucks and xfinity series on saturday so just showing how how intelligent that the competition is in those two series uh but yeah christian eckes after uh couple of years ago, being a uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports driver, went to Thor Sport. Now he's driving for McAnally uh, after winning ARCA title. So he's had a very, uh, uh, he's jumped around a lot of, of teams here in recent years, but he's got a talent, a lot of talent. And now he's the, uh, the points leader in the truck series, uh, taking over um, after getting the win and the one stage win as well. So he takes over the truck series points lead with uh, his performance there on, on Saturday afternoon. So, uh, I mean, I would, I would say, I mean, credit to him. Eckes has been running well so far early in the season. Um, it was a matter of time. The McAnally team has been knocking on the door for the last few years, uh, but it didn't work with the, what's his name that used to drive the 19 truck. Uh, uh, and who was driving he, it last year, year before? Guy, uh, he just drove the, he drove the 20 
or the O2 at Daytona or something. Uh, but whatever, uh, whatever his name is, I like Charles Barkley, whatever your name is. Um, oh, Derek Krause. Derek Krause. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you on that. I literally, yeah, once I scroll down, I see it there. Uh, Did he even race? I mean, he ran at Daytona other, he ran at Daytona for the Young's team. Yeah. But yeah, he hasn't raced since. Yeah. He hasn't raced since. So, um, I mean, I guess, yeah, credit to Christian Eckes, but, uh, I think another great thing to see for those who are probably counting out Kyle Busch Motorsports, uh, all of their trucks finished in the top 10, albeit super speedway Daytona, they were super fast. So maybe that's kind of what would played a role in this, but uh, they're running decent. So we'll see what happens with that, especially coming into this weekend at Coda, where Kyle Busch will be back in the 51 truck. But um, what were your thoughts, Josh, on uh, the truck series? Well, yeah, I mean, credit to Christian Eckes pulling off the move on you know late in the race to uh, be able to win. Um, you know, led the last three laps. Uh, Nick Sanchez, and I think he was pretty impressive as well. And I, I mean, I think. Aren't they a uh, like pseudo car, like a satellite car to the uh, Kyle Busch team? Uh, I can't remember if what, they the McAnally team, not the McAnally, the uh, Nick Sanchez. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Okay, so, they're essentially so, the. Yeah, yeah. So they're a yeah satellite team. So good finish them uh, for them there. My pick, John Hunter Nemechek, of course, led led the most laps in this race. And I thought maybe he might win, um, but uh, and just again, you know got to be stay up front to be able to win at you know this um super speedway pack racing type races and um you know it's a uh, pretty tough if you once you fall fall behind enough uh i mean even though he finished third just didn't have enough momentum behind him to be able to get up uh back up into the lead you know late late in the going um because you know he lost lost the lead at lap 120 with about 17 laps to go uh, officially. So uh, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to make moves and everything to be able to get up uh, back up there. Um, uh, but yeah, definitely a tough tough deal there. But uh, I mean, at least at least for John Hunter, it's uh, not the series he's competing in, so it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, yeah, the other drivers in this race. Uh, ben Rhodes, you know, good finish for him. I think he, you know, he's still um, doing pretty good up up to fourth place in the championship now. Um, yeah, I mean, you talked about like earlier with the Kyle Busch cars. Um, Timmy Hill, um, yeah, I think, yeah, De Benedetto, um, you know, Haley Digging, those types of drivers that are normally up front or maybe you know don't get up front that much. I mean, that's kind of the benefit, I guess. On the other hand, and even I guess to extent like um, that's the benefit I guess of having these types of races is at least it does kind of give a chance to some of the smaller teams um, or, you know, teams that aren't as com- or drivers that are not as competitive at other races to be able to try to run up front and make something happen. Um, and that's, I guess when you see, you know, these type uh, types of finishes um, with, you know, some of these, you know, lesser, I guess, you know, in the points drivers that, you know, have a chance to have their day up front. So um, I guess that's the benefit of it. But, you know, at the same time, um, still, you know, want to see better racing. And I mean, obviously we talked about it already a lot, uh, but yeah, I mean, this race had a, a lot of crashes as well uh, in it, but I mean, that's how it, how it goes in this series, to be honest. So not, not too surprised there. Um, you know, I think Corey Heim, uh, I think maybe is, kind of disappointed in this one obviously last year he won this uh race but then uh ran into the back of i think yeah nick sanchez on on the restart 
Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately for him, unable to, unable to be able to um, get the win there. So, uh, yeah, that unfortunate for uh, uh, Corey Heim. Um, but yeah, I mean this, you know, typical Atlanta Super Speedway racing again uh, in the Truck Series. But um, you know, at least uh, somebody different one. At least uh, Bill McNally gets. Uh, first, I think his first win in the big three series. So, uh, at least he'll get that. I mean, he's been, been around for a long time, uh, in K&N Arca. So, you know, finally get your win on the top three series and NASCAR. It's gotta be a pretty good feeling there, but, uh, yeah, uh, pretty much theme of the weekend, drafting pack racing, you know, throughout all three series. And a whole bunch of nothing in most of those races outside of wrecking on Saturday and then really just driving around, holding on for dear life on Sunday. Uh, as I did the rundown there for the top 10. So, yeah, so we'll get into, I mentioned the points. Ekis up by five on Kraft and Majeski is eight points back in third. Ben Rhodes in fourth, so three Thor Sport trucks, second through fourth. Zane Smith falls from the points lead to fifth. Enfinger is sixth, D Burrito seventh, Purdy eighth, Hosevar ninth, and Tanner Gray uh, is on the uh, bump spot. Tyler Ankrum uh, moves up a position and is only a point behind Gray. The uh, from ninth through to what is it? We'll say ninth through twelfth is only separated by eight points. And uh, you start adding in some of these other people like uh, Nick Sanchez, Timmy Hill who's been pretty competitive. Uh, I mean, you got Stewball outside. He's in 16th in points. Jake Garcia's only run two races, and he's out of a bunch of people who've run every race, uh, including the likes of Haley Deegan and Roger Carruth and Brett Holmes. Uh, so something to look at there. That's one thing I didn't I didn't pick up on in terms of, or I didn't look at as closely uh, on uh, the driver points for where, uh, where Brockshot Jones, yeah, he's still... He's 17th. He moved up from 18th to 17th in points, but he's he is literally 40 points. He's 40 points or 38 points behind Sheldon Creed right now for the bump spot. So that's not good for the driver of the nine car. But yeah, all of them will be at Coda this coming weekend. So things can change, of course, uh, in regards to all things NASCAR. Um, all right, so. I'm curious. I'm going to go and look it up here for the NFL. I mean, you want to talk about things that stood out to you from the NCAA tournament there, Josh, while I'm looking up some stuff for the NFL? I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, well, we were we going to talk about F1 because that's next on the... Or... Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm looking up at the wrong, wrong one. Yeah. I didn't bother to add... Or no, that's my fault. I, un, I made it smaller for no reason. Um. Yeah. I was about to get into free agency updates. I'm doing so, it after F1, but yeah. No, yeah, we'll do it after F1. So good, good pick on that. Yeah, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix was so interesting. I was about to go pass over it. Uh, in uh, it was uh, basically a Red Bull benefit, but instead of it being fish lips because he had a drive shaft problem in qualifying and was starting 15th. It was Sergio Perez who won from pole and uh, was in a position to possibly take the points lead and take away the points lead from first stop and for the first time in I don't know how many races they said it yesterday on the on the telecast. But Sergio Perez gets the victory. Uh, another he's he's been 
really good on these street courses and uh, he gets yet another win on a street course beats for stopping by 5.35 seconds fred alonzo finishes third then he was put down to fourth because there was work done before or they alleged that there was work done on the car prior to him serving his five second penalty for driving over out of his uh starting uh start box and then uh, he got back his third place finish so el plan uh napoleon el plan gets another third place finish and uh, george russell and lewis hamilton ran out the top five uh, carlos signed charles leclerc for ferrari Esteb- six and seventh esteban ocon pierre gasly for alpine eighth and ninth and kevin magnuson rounds out the top 10 logan Sargent. There was a point in the race where he was up near the same place he was at at Bahrain, and then tire strategy and tire fall off got in the way for him, and he fell back to 16th. Lance Stroll fell out with a some sort of mechanical issue, and that was where that was basically the only real um, kind of manipulative part of the race took place, where they decided to throw a full safety car. Instead of a local or or a, a uh, what do you call um, what do they call that or am I forgetting not a full safety card with a uh, I was going to say a local yellow like a sports car race but then they have the VSC virtual safety car instead of throwing a VSC they threw a full safety car out there to get the whole pit field packed together get all the pit stops done and essentially I called it on the Grid Talk podcast a competition yellow to help Max Verstappen get up there and possibly win the race which to be fair almost did happen so uh i mean we'll uh just get into the standings uh next race of course will be the australian grand prix in a couple weeks time then there'll be a one month break between that race and baku the driver's points sees for stopping up by one over uh, Sergio Perez, Fernando Alonso's third with two third place finishes, 10 points ahead of his countryman, Carlos Sainz, who is tied with Lewis Hamilton for fifth, George Russell, Russell sixth, and then you have everybody else there, Stroll, Leclerc, Botas, Ocon, Gasly, who scored points in both races so far this year, so credit to him. He's seven drivers so far have scored points in both races, uh, Magnussen and Albon. And then in uh, team, the constructor's standings you see uh red bull has a pretty solid lead they're 49 points ahead of aston martin who's tied with mercedes for second and third ferrari is fourth 12 points behind them alpine is fifth with eight alfa romeo with four haas and williams both have one point apiece seventh and eighth alfa tori and mclaren still have not scored uh championship points in uh, 2023 but of course it's only two races in so it was pretty much a processional race. There was a whole heck of a lot going on. Perez had gotten away. I mean, Alonso beat him on the start, and then they he got to give the place back. And once he gave the place back, Perez pulled away. And I think it was going to be pretty big margin of victory if they hadn't thrown that safety car out there. Uh, Verstappen starts 15th. He was moving up with relative ease. And I think he would have probably gotten up there organically to the podium maybe you would have finished third instead of second but the the the, i mean there i think the 
all the stories really are the fact that Red Bull's car is so much faster than everybody else on the grid. It doesn't really matter. Nobody's going to do anything. Uh, Alonso continues to show that this Aston Martin group has done a good job and maybe for the first time in his career, he's made a good choice in changing teams. Uh, the Mercedes cars are still not great, but they're making the most out of the situation again, like last year. While Ferrari, with the full safety car, figured out a way to dick-step themselves with bad tire uh, choices and the car not working on the hard tire. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's really all uh, from that race. I don't know what else. uh, I mean, yeah, Albon having a brake issue there, having a fallout. He probably was on the uh, precipice of points there. But because Williams is actually showing a, a... uh, upgraded uh, team and car and everything. So it looks like they're in a much better state, at least for now. We'll see how long that lasts. But yeah, Checo wins. There was a bit of a sweat for Checo and for Fish Lips. Um, uh, the Verstappen's proving once again at how, how they're they're not only bad winners, but they're even worse losers uh, with the way they handle that whole situation post race. But wouldn't be sh- I can't be shocked. It's just who he is. Uh, but Checo Perez gets his fifth career Formula One win. Josh, uh, good weekend for him at least for now. He is in the title race, but it's only two races in. Yeah, it's only two races in, but uh, at least we didn't see Max Verstappen win uh, once again. You know, breaking his you know streak of wins, uh, and everything going back to end of last year. But um, you know, um, for Perez, obviously he gets gets the win, dominating fashion. Uh, obviously, teammate Inverstappen and had issues throughout uh, qualifying with the drive shaft, so obviously um, didn't have a good qualifying effort there, um, and could have uh, could have been worse if um, Verstappen would have been able to qualify better, but. Uh, I think for Perez, I mean, it's a, it's a good win, but I, um, obviously Verstappen took away the fast slap there on the last lap of the race. And then, you know, even furthermore, um, they were telling Verstappen to hit 133 on the uh, lap times and he started pushing 132s and they told him not to go for the fastest lap. Uh, but he did it anyways and kept the points lead over uh, his teammate there. So, um, you know, I mean, call it whatever you want. I mean, I think it's 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 pretty ruthless, actually. Uh, whether that's a positive or negative thing, um, but uh, that's that's what Verstappen did, and keeps the points lead by one point over his teammate. Uh, so you know, so far, yeah, pretty competitive uh, after two races in the championship. Uh, even if it's it's uh, among two cars, uh, two team cars. But um, yeah, I guess that was the more interesting part is the. Di- dynamics between two teammates um seeing i mean if you want to see the leader go from the back to the front i don't know maybe instead of sprint races they should i mean the americans that own formula one now maybe they should implement um the inverted starts like they do in short track racing here in america and then maybe you see the fastest guys drive their way up to the front within the first half of the race first quarter of the race that might be entertaining to watch um but uh you have that and uh i mean i think the other Interesting thing to to take away from this is the uh, Alonso finishing third. Um, obviously, they've had good pace so far to start the year, but I think both of us probably could probably agree that we didn't think that Alonso would start off the year getting two podiums and get his 100th podium. And, of course, they almost took it away from him, and they did for a bit, but they gave it back to him. Now he has 100 podiums. But I think it yeah definitely shows that the uh, Aston Martin teams figured something out uh, earlier 
in this season and we'll see if they're able to keep it up throughout the rest of the year. Uh, but clearly right now they've, you know, both of them have had good pace last stroll and Alonso. Uh, of course stroll had the issue, but, um, you know, he qualified fifth. So, uh, he's clearly got some pace, uh, so far to start the year. And I mean, I think for me at least, uh, would have thought that, uh, you know, maybe for Alonzo, I don't know about Stroll, but you know, Alonzo still getting to the points, you know, maybe that fifth to eighth place range. I didn't think they had top three pace, uh, start off the year. So clearly they figure something out. Um, and also interesting quote by Kevin Magnuson, kind of comparing the midfield of, uh, F1 to IndyCar, uh, which pretty interesting quote there. Um, we'll see how formula one people want to take that, uh, how, how they want to make that comparison to IndyCar, obviously competitive throughout the field in IndyCar. And now it seems like the midfield, uh, the bottom half of the top 10 seems like it's, uh, fairly competitive, uh, in formula one these days. So, I think that's a pretty good comparison, uh, fair assessment to make for, uh, F1, you know, in the midfield. So, um, can't disagree there with, uh, that, uh, that comment, but yeah, I mean the race itself, I mean, I mean, I, I didn't even watch it actually. I was out, out doing some other things, uh, before coming back home. I, I think I got back at home in time to see the winners interviews with, um, Max and, uh, with Checo. So, um, I listened to it for a bit though, but, um, yeah, I think it was so entertaining. Like you said earlier that we almost skipped over it, uh, like you said, but, um, I mean, there's still some interesting dynamics to take away from it, you know, mainly being the, you know, dynamic, the story between the two Red Bulls up front. And I mean, Phil, credit to you. Uh, you got the podium basically right. I mean, you just didn't have the order. So um, that's good on your part, I guess. But, you know, hey, um, I think two of the uh, three in the podium, I think that's pretty easy to pick. And then it's just a matter of getting that third spot right. And then I guess the order, but that's how it goes sometimes. Hey, you know, you got a squirrel has to find a nut once in a while. Um, especially <laughs> when you have a fish lip fuck and, and a, a Napole- guy with a Napoleon complex on the podium. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, I mean, to Kevin Magnuson can speak from experience, of course, running in the U.S., ran an IndyCar race and also ran an IMSA. He also, his dad, his legendary father, Jan, ran in Formula One, ran an IndyCar for Carl Hogan and Penske and other people. Ran in NASCAR and Sonoma, too. Yeah, yeah, a while back. And then he, of course, was a Corvette racing guy, GT and prototype racer for Panos for many years. So he made his, he's plied his trade in sports cars forever. So there's somebody who can really understand how the dynamics of that. I think Kevin Magnuson's probably one of those good perspective people uh, for sure. But yeah, we'll uh, wait until Australia and then we'll have a long gap uh, the whole month of April, basically to uh, 25. Yeah. So it's like three and a half weeks between uh, the race end and the first day at Azerbaijan. So see how that all goes. Okay. So yeah, I went on the NFL uh, website and I mean, they're bringing, uh, what is it? They're going to bring, well, so Josh Dobbs is signing uh, with the Browns to be Deshaun Watson's backup. Bills are signing Damian Harris from the Patriots after losing Devin Singletary uh, to Carolina, I think it was. And then uh, Cam Newton is he's throwing at the Auburn Pro Day for whatever reason. Uh, Brandon Cooks got traded from Houston to Dallas, so he gets 
gets a reprieve or no Singletary. I mixed him up with Miles Sanders, my fault, because um, he's signing uh, with along with Dalton Schultz to the Texans. So that's uh, uh, something there. OJ Howard uh, signs with the Raiders as a, you know, that's their measure after they traded Darren Waller for a ham sandwich. Um, Baker Mayfield, it sounds like, is going to be the starter in Tampa Bay whatever that's worth and hasn't yeah and then Gardner Minshew they're talking about him because he signed to play for Indianapolis Javon Hargrave now a 49er NFC champion would have been a different game if Brock Purdy didn't get injured no shit Sherlock um was it yeah CJ Gardner Johnson's uh signed with the Lions Vikings signed Adam or I mean Panther signed Adam Thielen Laramie Tunsil goes back to being the highest paid left tackle in the NFL even though he isn't the best left tackle in the NFL, um, that guy resides in Santa Clara. And see some of these other ones. Yeah, Jamal Williams being pissed off about the Lions not wanting to pay him after he was the leading, he led the league in touchdowns. So I think he's probably better off in New Orleans with Derek Carr, to be fair, because they actually run the ball in New Orleans, and he'll be able to bounce off with Alvin Kamara, which means that can be a potent combo uh, akin to what uh, Mark uh, Ingram and uh, and uh, one of my Alvin Kamara were back years ago. So I think that would be a good balance there. Uh, let's see. I mean, I think that's about it for recent, the last couple of days of news. I mean, I think we'll start talking more about the the NFL draft after all these pro days happen for these quarterbacks uh, next week. Uh, we'll probably get into it more. But uh, did you have anything else to add there, Josh, in regards to NFL free agency or uh, some some things, some moves that uh, your Jaguars have done? What moves? Okay, so that means <laughs> nothing. So there you go. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. But yeah. well, I will say that I'm kind of concerned about the lack of moves. Like I knew they were going to have a problem with cap because or with the salary cap because they've made so many moves and they picked up Calvin Ridley um, and everything. And I wonder if that factored into failing to re-sign uh, Arden Key and um, uh, Jawan Taylor. But uh, it is a little concerning that they haven't been able to add any veterans. Although, granted, they are in a very tight spot with cap space and um, you know with uh, the available cap for this year and next year and you know they need to be able to retain and re-sign their own guys that they've drafted the last couple of years to a long-term contract so uh, that, there's that but you know you can always manipulate the cap and just surprised that they haven't gone after or tried to sign at least one uh, player from another team so that's all I got to say about that really. I think the draft is where you guys are going to go and make your hay I mean, even though I know who your GM is and his track record has not exactly been known for drafting great, but I mean, he did draft Trevor Lawrence um, and your guy you got last year isn't bad. So um, at least he hasn't missed on those two. Um, Niners signed Cleveland Farrell, former top five draft pick for the Raiders uh, defensive end. So you'll get to benefit from Javon Hargrave signing there as well along with Eric Armstead, and yeah, the defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa. Jake Brendel comes back 
Uh, so that means a center position, the whole lot, like from left tackle, a center and to the right guard Four of the five spots are pretty solidified. It sounds like the Niners are going to go in from within for their replacement for McGlinchey, which is fine um, because at the end of the day, McGlinchey is absolutely got awful and um, he got paid because of because of just the lack of um, players out there, not because he's actually really that good because he's a one way tackle. He's a run blocking tackle. He can't pass block if his life depended on it without committing a penalty. So you, know, you bring back up, got a bunch of other defensive depth signings because basically their whole entire depth was signed away. Uh, so having to make a, those pickups there and um, yeah, Tayshawn Gibson coming back a big deal uh, to play with Talanoa Hufanga and Tabor Pepper, the best long snapper in the NFL coming back, but they'll be working with a new kicker. Um, Wisnowski's still there, but still don't know who the kicker is going to be. It isn't going to be Robbie Gould, unfortunately, but see what happens as we go along. All right, so now we'll get into the GSP roundup. Uh, the 12 hours of Sebring you know, it was pretty tame, I would say, and then 18 minutes to go happened and saw the top three cars in the race crash. Uh, I mean, that is just insane. Uh, uh, Philippe Albuquerque was driving, uh, I, are they showing, the, I don't know, I guess the highlighted persons who qualified the car, I guess is what that is. Uh, but the, um, yeah, that's the one who qualified the car. So it was, it was, uh, yeah, Jamine was driving and he was in the lead. Albuquerque was trying to pass him coming out of turn one. Jamine made a dart over, slight hedge move over and um, sent, Albuquerque into the grass, which then once he came back on the track, T-Bones Jamine and they collect uh, the Porsche of uh, Jamine's teammate, uh, what do you call Felipe Nazar in the seven car. So the top three cars overall in the race uh, get knocked out. They finish ninth, 10th and 11th overall. And they finish, what is it? They still finish third, fourth and fifth in class, even though they didn't run the last seven laps of the race. The uh, beneficiaries of that were uh, Pippo Durrani, Alexander Sims, and Jack Aitken. Uh, Aitken was in the wheel and engineering Cadillac uh, at the end, and he got to cross the line and get that victory for Action Express. And then the BMW M Team RLL effort after a rough Daytona 24 hours gets a second place finish overall with uh, Connor Filippi, Nick Yalloy, and Sheldon Vanderlinde, third place overall and winner of the LMP2 class was John Ferrano, Kiffin Simpson, and one Scott McLaughlin for Tower Motorsports in the LMP2s. Uh, they won by less than a second over uh, Seth Thomas, Mikkel Jensen, Scott Huffaker for TDS, Dwight Merriman, Ryan Dial, and Christian Rasmussen, fifth uh, overall, third in class, Keating, Chatine and Quinn in the PR1 Matheson wins car finished fourth in class and sixth overall. Kurtz, Hanley, Siegel, CrowdStrike racing by APR, fifth in class and seventh overall. The high class racing team with Anderson, Ed Jones, Fjordbach uh, finished eighth. Uh, Gar Robinson, Felipe Fraga, and Burdon in the Riley Motorsports 74 finished 12th overall and won LMP3. Yeah, let's see. GTD Pro saw Klaus Bockler, Patrick Pile, Lawrence Vantor uh, win 
the uh, GTD Pro category, the FAF uh, Porsche, after what was a pretty bad Rolex. Porsche comes back and gets a win at Sebring over Jack Hawksworth, Ben Barnacote, and Kyle Kirkwood in the, in the faster Sullivan Lexus. Yunkadella, Gunon, and Engel in the WeatherTech Mercedes uh, finished third after winning the Rolex. The Iron Lynx uh, Lamborghini with Frank Pereira, Jordan Pepper, and Roman Grosjean fourth. Antonio Garcia, Jordan Taylor, and Tommy Milner for Corvette Racing finished fifth. Daniel Serra. Uh, David Rigon and Casa Grande for Risi Competizione finished sixth in class. And uh, seventh was the Turner Motorsports BMW. They were a lap behind with Auberlin Hall and John Edwards. Uh, the Daytona Rolex 24 winners uh, of Bloomquist, Braun, and Elio Castro-Neves had issues uh, this week weekend and were unfortunately unable to compete. Probably would have benefited a lot. They're about 20 laps back in the race, finished 24th. Uh, just in front of the GTD winners, uh, Paul Miller Racing, New Jersey-based uh, uh, organization, dealership uh, thing there. Brian Sellers, Madison Snow, and Corey Lewis get the victory over a fellow BMW of Patrick Gallagher, Robbie Foley, and Michael Dynan and a Turner Motorsports uh, 96. Uh, Julian Anlauer, Udell, and Bruhl and the 92 Kelly Moss Porsche, Riley Porsche rounds out the podium. The McLaren finished fourth, Lexus fifth. Uh, so there is that. Uh, the Iron Dames actually had an all right day. They actually finished uh, just outside the top 10 or just ahead of Sheena Monk, Catherine Legg, and Mark Miller in the 66 gradient car. And yeah, so that is that. In terms of the uh, results in the mobile 112 hours of Sebring, I want to go and bring that. And then the points as of now, uh, leading into Long Beach for some of these classes, I think it's just literally the prototypes and then a GT. I think it might be a prototype only deal. I am not sure. Um, it's GTP, yeah, Long Beach, Long Beach, Long Beach, SLMP, GT Pro. So I have the points there anyway. So, okay. All right. So Alexander Sims, Jack Aiken, Pippo Durrani are leading the points by 10 over, though the 31 teams leading the points by 10 over the 10 uh, Acura of Albuquerque, Deltraz, and Taylor. And the zero one of Vander Zanda, Scott Dixon, Sebastian Bourdais is uh, 70 points back. They're in third, tied for third. The BMW 25 team is in fourth. And one of the Porsches, Cameron Jaminé and Nick Tandy are fifth. Nazar Campbell and Christensen are sixth. The other BMW seventh, Colin Braun, Elio Castroneves, and uh, Tom Blomquist are eighth, of course, because of the massive penalties that they received after the Rolex 24 at Daytona. In, uh, and then in the team standing the same way, they're buried in eighth. Only team behind them was a 0-2 Cadillac, which only ran Daytona. The LMP2 category sees the Ferrano Simpson McLaughlin team uh, leading the points because, of course, it was their first points race. They Some of these teams did run at Daytona, but it wasn't a points uh, event for them there over Jensen, Huffaker, Thomas, Rasmussen, Merriman, DL, et cetera, et cetera. Tower, TDS era, the whole bit. Now, Felipe, the same deal as for LMP3. 
Uh, the 74 teams gets the wins. They're leading the points over the AWA number 13 and 85 JDC Miller uh, team now in P3. In GTD Pro, the Mercedes, WeatherTech Mercedes trio of Yunkandela, Gunan, and Engel are leading the points by 1826 over Ben Barnacote and Jack Hawksworth and 31, 39 points over Bockler, Vantor, and Pelay. The Corvette team is fourth. The the Lamborghini drivers, Pepper and Grosjean, are in fifth. And uh, the Aston Martin group is sixth. Ribeiro's Pittard and Ross Gunn. The Ferraris, Sarah Regan, seventh. It's uh, gone from there. That's GTD Pro. And then in GTD, Brandon Uribe, uh, Standorf, and Ollie Milroy. That's the uh, McLaren team. Uh, they're... They're leading the GTD points over Brian Sellers and Corey Lewis and Madison Snow by a point. Andy Lally, John Potter, and Spencer Pumpally are in third, a point ahead of the Lexus trio of Tealitz, Montecalvo, and Parker Thompson. The other heart of uh, racing, Aston, is fifth in that class. And then the, uh, what do you call, uh, Porsche, trying to look. Yeah, we're right. Motorsports Porsche team is in sixth. And then the Gradient Racing Acura seventh. Uh, excuse me. The um, BMW for Turner Motorsports is eighth. So the next race for some of these guys will be at the uh, at Long Beach for the IndyCar weekend. Uh, there, the um, next thing we will uh, look at is the World Endurance Championship. The uh, the 10 hours per thousand kilometers or whatever was of Sebring the day before thousand miles. Okay. Whatever, whichever measure, uh, the overall race results, see the Toyotas finish one, two, the seven of Mike Conway, Kamui Kobayashi and Jose Maria Lopez, a win by 2.16 seconds over their teammates, Sebastian Buemi, Brendan Hartley and Rio Hirakawa. They end up two laps ahead of the Ferrari number 50, which qualified on pole with uh, Miguel Molina, Nicholas Nielsen and Antonio Fuco. I think they're the one who get, or no, I think Alexander. No, that's right. Yeah, it is the one that qualified on pole. And then Earl Bamba. Alex Lynn and Richard Westbrook in the Ganassi Cadillac. Number two finished fourth on the same lap, um, 10 seconds behind the Ferrari. Then the Porsches finished fifth and sixth, two laps behind the the third and fourth place cars, and four laps off the overall. The Hertz Team Jota, uh, number 48, won the uh, LMP2 class. David Beckman, Yeye Fay, and Will Stevens, they're going to be moving up to the uh, hypercar class later this year. Credit to them there. And I think Tom Brady's involved with that team now too. United Autosport finished uh, second, eighth overall, but second in class. Bill, uh, Phil Hansen, Philippe Albuquerque, uh, and Lou Ben. And then Prema Racing with uh, Mirko Bartolotti, Danny Kvyat, and Dorian Pien, the 63, finished ninth in overall and third in LMP2. Um, go through some of these other cars. The uh, 
Corvette Racing number 33 wins GTM with uh, Ben Keating, Verone, and Nikki Katzberg at the wheel. They win by two laps over the Dempsey Proton number 77 Porsche of Christian Reed, uh, Peterson, and Julian Andlauer. And then a Kissel Racing 57 Ferrari of Scott Huffaker, Daniel Sarah, and Kimura there. So that's uh, the Iron Dames team finished uh what is it 24th overall and what three eighth in class in uh gtm uh, issues for uh, some of the prototype programs there the glickenhaus team had problems early in that race the peugeot team continues to have reliability issues um and different gremlins it's ever since they've started the brought the car out they've had issues and then the van wall team had issues during practice in fact, they're able to get 215 laps is part of probably a miracle, uh, considering how bad that car and team is. So they will uh, run their next uh, race. Of course, will be at Portimao in um, in in April on the middle of April, so April 14th. So they have a few weeks time, 24 days time, in fact, before their next race. Get to uh, Formula Two and Jeddah. Yes, to get that out of there. The race results from Jetta. They, I, I gotta say, for as shitty of a track as it is, and all the other horrible things, the place looks a lot better when they're run it in daylight. And they ran the Formula Two race in daylight, and it wasn't bad at all. So, in that sense, so the race at Jetta this past weekend, the uh, sprint race results saw Iwasa win over Victor Martins, Jahan Daruvla. Ralph Boshong and Kush Miney, so two Indian drivers in the top five. Uh, Vesti, Dewin, Hauger, Jack Crawford, and Roy Nassani. Uh, Crawford fell a place short of getting the pull for the feature race, and that sucks, but a uh, better result for him uh, after a rough uh, start at Bahrain a couple weeks ago, uh, weeks back. Juan Manuel Correa finishes 14th. Uh, I'm trying to see. Yeah, Brad Benavides had issues uh, in that race as well. And then in um, in the sprint race and then in the feature race, uh, let's see. In the feature race, Frederick Vesti gets the win over Jack Dewin and Jay Andruvula. Awasa follows up his sprint win with a fourth in the feature. Dennis Hauger finishes fifth. Richard Vashore, Enzo Fittipaldi, Artur Leclerc, Isaac Hadjar, and Ollie Beerman for your top 10. Kushmini finished 12th, Jack Crawford 15th, Correa 18th, and I guess uh, Brad Benavides uh, wasn't able to run the, the feature race. Okay. The points standings going to Melbourne in a couple weeks' time sees Boshong, who only scored five, well, only scored points in the sprint race, uh, lead by one over Teo Pocher, who crashed out of a good position in uh, race in the feature race. Matt issues in the sprint, so he's a point up. Owasa, after a pretty quiet Sakir, goes and scores twenty-two points. This weekend, it moves himself right into the mix for the championship. Bestie had no points at the first race and uh, scored 28, so now he's only five points back, and Jay Andaruvula is in fifth, driving for MP Motorsports, the team that won the championship last year, with Felipe Drogovic. I'm just getting a Kushmini. It's ninth early in the season. 
Perea scored a point. Uh, Crawford still waiting uh, to score his first points in Formula 2 along with Brad Benavides. So we'll see how that all goes. Uh, Supercross at Detroit uh, saw Chase Sexton get the victory in the 450s but get penalized in the after afterwards for an infraction but Sexton gets the win over over Cooper Webb um Eli Tomac Justin Barsha and Ken Roxon looks like yeah Aaron Plessinger got the whole shot led 20 laps and crashed it looks like fell fell down out of the lead, so unfortunate for him. The KTM rider trying to win uh, his first 450 main, uh, so that's a bad situation for him uh, right now. So then the point standing, see Cooper Webb uh, with uh, two wins so far this year. You know, he's leading. He leads the points over Eli Tomac by three. Chase he leads Chase Sexton by 17. Uh, those three. The guys have won nine races, nine of the ten races so far. Roxon winning the other one uh, a couple weeks ago. So that's where all the all the riders are in the 450s. And then in 250s, uh, what a shocker. Hunter Lawrence gets the win over Nate Thrasher. And uh, Danger Boy Hayden Deegan gets the whole shot, but uh, isn't able to get the lead. It was pretty straightforward. Hunter Lawrence led every lap, wins the race. He has won five five races so far, five out of the six so far. Thrasher winning the other one. Deegan is third, Jeremy Martin fourth, Max Anstey in fifth. But uh, Hunter Lawrence trying to join his brother to go and win uh 250 championships this year but otherwise once you get past that the there's actually a pretty good battle between the next four guys only 12 points separating them so something to look at uh next next race will be in seattle so back to the west coast back to the west coast uh a 250 deal and then uh trying to go camera yeah no all right so got through all those go and do all that so rally mexico mentioned a historic uh event sebastian Oje, the multi-time world rally champion comes back in his limited schedule and gets a seventh win in the in rally mexico by 27.5 seconds over Thierry Neuville, and then 27.9 seconds over Efren Evans, his Toyota teammate. Cali Rovenpera, the defending world champion, was four, so three Toyotas in the top four. Danny Sordo rounds out the top five, so two Hyundais there. Uh, the first uh, Ford was Ottanek in ninth, and then um, outside, those were the uh, ones that were the whatever hybrid, whatever cars, the main class cars, WRC2 cars filled spots six through nine, or six through eight, and then also 10th. Uh, let's see, trying to see over there uh, who else is there. So the other uh, Ford uh, of Lou Bay finished 26th in in the rally so that's uh rough for them and that team but OGA yeah so seventh rally seventh rally Mexico win for uh OGA 
and which is pretty crazy to think. I mean, it used to be Loeb would win all those races. Now OJ is still holding on, uh, running uh, the World Rally Championship. He was thinking about running sports cars, but it doesn't look like that's what he's going to do, at least for the moment. During the second rally, seven victories. So he had he was tied with Sebastian Loeb with six. So now he's um, leads the he went and uh, leads that the most wins there actually wins the world he's he's leading the championship right now so um credit to ogier the legend and then m sports so back on it so the next rally will be in croatia which is in base in a month's time the points going into the uh that race and uh the standings that's a championship that's great i want to see the standings there you go championship standings that's what i wanted to do so oga's run two out of three races but the two races he's run he's won and uh he's up by three over Thierry Neuville and uh four on Cali Rovampera Atanak who won in Sweden is in fourth and Efren Evans is in fifth and we'll get back to that uh in a month's time the uh MotoGP season starts this week at uh Portimao there are of course the main major changes one of the major changes is there's going to be a sprint race every week every race uh in the MotoGP uh series so there will be extra races extra points out there um Peko Bagnaia of course comes back as world champion now with a new teammate Anea Bastaini um nothing really changed any of there the Raul Fernandez and um trying to find his teammate there Raul Fernandez the rnf team they uh that's the old uh patronus yamaha effort uh, yeah and him and Oliveira, two cast offs from uh ktm now dry riding for the aprilia satellite effort then what is it brad binder now being joined by jack miller on the red bull ktm factory rides joanne Mir joins Mark Marquez as teammates at Repsol Honda after the Suzuki dissolved their program. His former teammate, Alex Rins, is at LCR Honda, taking over for um, Alex Marquez, who moves over to Grassini Racing on their uh, Ducati program, along with Fabio DiGiantonio, who was in the top five in points last year. Alicia Spargo finished in the top three, Martine, et cetera. So, so we will see what happens with that. Uh, Ken Mark Marquez, does he have one more left in him or is he, is at the end of the line? Can KTM come through finally and uh, have a chance in the world championship? Will Ducati continue to dominate just because of numbers or can Fabio Quattararo and even Franco Morbidelli make a charge with uh, the Monster Energy Yamaha effort? You know, one other change is the um, is the Aprilia satellite team, the Tech Three team, is now the Gas Gas. Or yeah, I mean, I think they're or no, they're KTM. That's right, my fault. So they're Gas Gas team now. Paul Espargaro and Augusto Fernandez coming from uh, Moto Two there to um, ride in um, Moto GP this year, and then trying to we'll go and bring up Moto Two. Uh, some changes, but the two Americans are still in the series. Sean Dillon Kelly riding for American Racing on the four. 
in a second season, full season. And then Joe Roberts with a Taltrans on this number 16. Darren Binder was in MotoGP last year. He moves back down to Moto2. Kota Nozani was in World Superbikes riding with Garrett Gerloff last year. Now he's in uh, in uh, Moto2 with the VR46 team. And then uh, Tony Arbolino, who's been in the lower formulas for a while. Celestino Vietti, who won races last year. Lorenzo Della Porta. Sam Lowe's the veteran. Trying to see some of these other guys. Aaron Kinnett, who's got a... His whole entire neck is tatted up. It's kind of scary looking. Um, What is it? Uh, Fermin Aldeguer. It sounds familiar. Ben Disna, Ben Snyder, yeah, he's been around for for a while. Chantra won last year. Costa won last year. I think Ayagura won a race last year. So I mean, it's a competitive class. Let's see if American can actually win it. Be nice uh, to see, but will he get a chance in MotoGP? That's the greater question. Uh, Arizona Nationals this coming weekend at uh, in in uh, Arizona. Been. Uh, likely the last time that they'll be um racing there okay that's what happened um uh, then we'll go to the nhra they're saying that uh tony was going to be there but in the end he will be there but he'll be with his tsr team he won't be racing wild horse pass motorsports park and in uh you know that's you know there's con what is the point of having a, a six car field what is the point of even running that race like that you have six cars that's just really stupid and comp eliminator but um yeah in pro stock it's the usual uh, so two cars will fail to qualify this weekend. More than likely, uh, Alan Prusinski will be one of them in the lone uh, Mopar that's still out there. Uh, you got the Quadras running Mustangs. They got the Ford, of course, with Ford power. You have the Chevy, mostly Chevys out there. And um, yeah, Christian Quadra actually runs a Chevy motor. That's that's great. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to go through here. Yeah, you have Enders, Anderson, Stanfield, Troy Coughlin Jr., Matt Hartford, Dallas Glenn, Bo Botner, Camry Caruso, Shane Tucker, Derek Kramer, Kyle Koretsky, Mason McGahey, Jerry Tucker, and yeah, Chris McGahey. Uh, so, and then the Quadras. In Funny Car, you have, they only have 16 cars, so there won't be any bumping there. Uh, Caps, Height, Tasca, Force, Pendragon, DeJoria, Wilkerson, Hagen, Alex Laughlin uh, driving for, um, you know, what do you call, uh, Big Jim Dunn, Paul Lee, Terry Haddock, uh, Blake Alexander for Jim Head's team, J.R. Todd, Chad Green, J- Jim Campbell, and uh, Bobby Bodie there in Fuel Funny Car, and then uh, Top Field Dragster, 16 cars in Top Field Dragster. Uh, Brittany Force, of course, the defending world champion, Antron Brown, Austin Proc, Justin Ashley, Steve Torrance, Josh Hart, Sean Langdon, Doug Coletta, Clay Milliken driving. Uh, he has a DSR car, okay. Yeah. Buddy Hull, Tony Schumacher, Rob Passy, Krista Baldwin, James Maroney, Leah Pruitt, and Mike Salinas, who's had a good start to the season uh, at uh, Pomona. Or not just, or they're going to Pomona. What am I talking about? They had. Gainesville. I'm used to Pomona being the first race of the season. It was the case for God knows how long. And the last but not least, this has been going on a while, uh, is the Formula E Sao Paulo E-Prix this coming weekend. Uh, The points going into that race 
in uh, Formula E World Championship. See Pascal Verline still leading, didn't score any points, uh, didn't finish at South Africa. And uh, Jake Dennis is still second, 18 points back, has not scored in the last two races. While Jean-Eric Verne has been, has won at, won in India and finished second with the fastest lap uh, at South Africa. So he's now back in the mix, only 12 points behind Dennis and 30 behind Verline. Antonio Felix da Costa for the teammate of Verline's at Porsche, finished third in India and won in South Africa. He's four points behind Vern, and Nick Cassidy is finished second and third in India and South Africa, respectively, to now be in fifth. Uh, trying to go through Nazir Buemi is sixth, Rene Rast, Sam Bird, who's DNF the past two races, JQs, and Luca de Grassi. Um, who hasn't scored points since the first round of the championship. Uh, Andre Lauderer and him are tied in points. Lauderer had huge points at Mexico to start the year and hasn't done much since. Uh, defending world champion Stoffel Van Dorn is in 13th, so you know, a tough start for him in his uh, in his championship defense. But it could be worse. He could be one of the drivers that hasn't scored points, which is like the app team and, or Max Gunther so far in the uh, 2022-23 uh, Formula E season. Their app team is the only one that hasn't scored points this year. Maserati team's barely ahead of them with three points. So um, that whole remake of that team, it hasn't worked out so well with this new formula. So we'll see what happens this weekend at Sao Paulo. And we'll go over all that stuff, of course, next week on the Grip Strip podcast. But let's get into... Uh, Let's get into the racing at Circuit of the Americas. Brought it up earlier prior to the show, Josh. Uh, of course, the you know decent fields. Uh, there will be a little bit of bumping process in each one. There's uh, for the XPEL 225 truck race. There will be 39 drivers or 36 spots. So three trucks will go home. I mean, last year the race ended with the. Uh, what is it, a last lap crash in the big hairpin, uh, which involved Alex Bowman and uh, I forget who else, and Kligerman and somebody else, and um, Kyle Busch. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yep. that allowed uh, Zane Smith to sneak through and get his second win of 2022 on his way to what would end up being a Truck Series championship. Uh, in this case, we'll see what happens this year. Bowman is back driving for Spire. Uh, in the number seven Hendrick car Chevy Nemco's randomly there uh, for some guy named Samuel Lecomte uh, or Lecomte uh, trying to go through here anybody else that is not yeah Ed Jones if I mentioned him in the roundup former IndyCar racer for uh, both uh, Dale Coyne. I think Dale Coyne, he ran for Dale Coyne, he ran for Ed Carpenter, he ran for Chip Ganassi, he ran for all of them. And now he drives for um, drives an LMP2 in uh, a World Endurance Championship. Logan Bearden driving AM Racing, number 22. Gal- Colin Garrett will be in the number 30 for On Point Motorsports. Um, Mason Massey and Mason Filippi for uh, Reum Brothers. Ross Chastain will be running the number 41 this weekend, uh, getting some extra seat time, even though he is the defending race champion in the Cup Series there. And uh, yeah, Kyle Busch is in this race. Uh, so that's something to look at. Parker Kligerman is back with, in the Henderson Motorsports 75. 
and uh, which will they won at Mid Ohio last year, so that's someone to look at. But I'll uh, let you go first, Josh. I've been talking for a little bit. I need a second. So, um, your thoughts on this race, this truck race, third time they ran at Circuit of the Americas a couple of years ago. It was just a disaster rain situation there. Um, this year, who knows what the weather will be, but hopefully it'll be a lot better. Um, who are you looking at in regards to a winner and a wild card for this deal? Yeah, I mean, I think for this race, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out among um, the regulars in this uh, field versus um, the ringers, uh, including, you know, cup guys like, you know, with Kyle Busch, Bowman, uh, and uh, Ross Chastain. So, um, honestly, I look for, you know, all three of those guys to be up towards the front uh, in this one. Parker Kligerman's also a good pick here because, um, you know, he's really impressive uh, in that road course win at Mid-Ohio uh, last year. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm going to go with Alex Bowman. I like him at this race last year, um, and I think if things go right for him, uh, I think he, um, you know, he, he can win this race. Uh, obviously, the uh, number seven Spire uh, car, I mean, I have to feel like that they're getting some kind of um, help from Hendrick here in development. You obviously, think so. yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, HendrickCars.com sponsoring the car. I mean, last year they uh, started up front in this uh, in this event. Uh, well, not up front, but Alex Bowman did lead the first lap uh this race last year um and he was in contention to win on the last lap and then furthermore um you know he was in contention to win the cup race on sunday um you know before almendinger and chastain got into it so yeah i'm gonna go with uh bowman the showman as the winner here uh wild card um let me get the picks back up the entry list uh wild card you know, I'm going to go with Ed Jones' wild card here. Obviously, IndyCar experience uh, at this racetrack. Um, you know, the one year that they ran at Coda um, in IndyCar. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to, you know, that's going to help him, especially, um, you know, his first experience driving a stock car. But I think the road racing experience will help him a lot. And I expect him to, you know, trend in the, uh, top 15 uh, throughout the race. So yeah, I'll go with those two as my two picks this weekend. Yeah, those are good solid picks. Uh, definitely. Uh, in terms of picking Bowman, it's a good safe one. And I'm going to pick another safe one. I'm going to pick Kyle Um Why wouldn't I? Um, you left it. I, I, I think at the end of the day, I think whoever wasn't going to, who whoever picks I think one of us was going to pick Bowman and one of us was going to pick Kyle Busch. So I'll pick Kyle Busch. Uh, he's one there in a truck. He's one there in an Xfinity, or he's won an Xfinity car there. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember if he won the first race there in the truck series um, offhand. I'd probably go over here to what it, what was a functional website before, but it hasn't been recently. Uh, trying to go to, yeah, Austin. And no, so Todd Gilland. Yeah, so first two winners of the truck series series race at coda have been the 38 front row motorsports uh, team so kyle bush trying to win in the truck i'm saying he's gonna do that 
my wild card pick. I mean, they're. I mean, the reality is it's sitting out there. Uh, might as well because they're running a limited schedule. So Parker Kligerman's my wild card because at the end of the day, he's a good road racer. The Henderson team doesn't run very often, but when they show up, they run very well. And now he's hedging with with running Xfinity too, so he gets even more time on the racetrack. He'll be running double duty uh, this coming weekend. Uh, so we will see what happens with that. Uh, so let me go and add that. Bill Kyle Bush wins Ligerman Ligerman WC. All right. So now we'll go to the Xfinity series at uh, Coda picks there. So I will start with that one. Uh, the Xfinity series race this weekend is the uh, pit boss to 50, 42 cars for 38 spots uh notable uh differences in or changes in the lineup uh, this week uh first and foremost eric almirola is driving uh, that definitely won't be a chevy um the rush truck center's number zero eight for ss Greenlight racing as a teammate to perkins uh smithley i think he made they had replaced uh, put smithley in that four car thing last week so uh aj allmendinger will be driving the 10 this week for colleague with celsius on the on the side will byron will be running with greg ives in the uh, 17 hendrickcars.com uh chevrolet and ives will be doing double duty because he's of course now back with uh alex bowman on the 48 pit box and keebler gibbs is going to be driving the 19 uh for gibbs of course connor mozak he's toyota trd guy or uh trd guy so he's a road racer ta2 driver so he's a somebody to look at kaz grala road racing experience of course parker chase another one uh, open wheel and sports car experience drives in in imsa for the uh, the the vassar sullivan lexus team recent recent years uh sage carom will be in the 44 Alpha Prime Chevy. Uh, Preston Pardis will be driving for his family-run uh, team this year, number 50. So they'll have to qualify on speed. Brad Perez is driving for Emerlin Gase in the number 53. Uh, what, is, what is it? Uh, Cameron Lawrence, the former TA2 champion and multiple champions in, in different uh, series, will be attempting to get the... MBM 66 in the show. They've had a hard time getting making races this year. Uh, Anthony Alfredo as the sponsor of the race on his 78 for uh, BJ McLeod Racing. Miguel Pluto driving his limited races for uh, JR Motorsports in the number 88. And uh, Balicki 91. Josh Williams as of now is in the 92, but I have a hard time believing he will be uh, this weekend. And that is that. So. It's it's similar to what we had in the truck series. You got two cup guys in in the truck series, three cup guys in the truck series race. You have four in this one. Uh, Keebler Gibbs has shown ability to win on road courses. Uh, not so much Will Byron or Eric Almirola, but I know one guy who can win on road courses, and his name is AJ Allmendinger. So um, I'll pick AJ Allmendinger. It's been kind of a iffy start to the year for colleague i mean daniel hemrick is not doing much for his own uh, pr or well-being with some of the moves he's been making this year the 10 car 
has been on and off this whole entire season. Uh, Chandler Smith's doing solid, but you know, it's been, it's probably, we're hoping for more out of that whole organization. So uh, AJ Allmendinger is my pick to win. And my uh, wild card will be, will be Connor Mozak and uh, the Sam Hunt uh, 24, because they'll, they have points. So they're likely to make the show. I would have taken Cameron Lawrence because he won in a TA2 in a Dodge Challenger and his teammate was one young Tom Kendall. Back at that point, he was older Tom, Tommy Kendall, uh, but he won in a blue Dodge Challenger. And for that was one of the last Dodge programs that was fully factory supported uh, and won other championships over the years. But I have a hard time uh, believing the 66 can make the show if something happens. So I, I would have probably picked him, but I'm going to go and pick Connor Mozak to um, be the wild card for me. Um, what are you What are you thinking there, Josh? Well, uh, I mean, Ty Gibbs is in this weekend in the 19, and obviously he needs experience uh, on this track for you know his cup. I mean, it's going to be a debut for him on the cup side. Uh, so I'm going to go with Ty Gibbs. Uh, obviously, he's Showing some pretty good road racing experience, uh, going back to you know his win on Daytona Road Course back in 2021, um, and he's been pretty good at some of the other uh, you know road races uh, throughout in the Xfinity Series throughout his career there. Uh, you know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ty Gibbs this weekend, um, and obviously you know Joe Gibbs Racing uh, in there. Uh, you know their cars have been pretty good, and obviously won uh, the pole last year. Uh, won at Road America also last year, um, qualified second at Watkins Glen. So he's you know knows his way around how to road race uh, and has had overall pretty good record uh, in his career so far in Xfinity at this track or well at, at these type of tracks. Uh, wild card, um, wild card. I don't know um, a lot, a lot here. Um, you know I'm gonna go wild card with. It's tough. There's a lot of a lot of good picks here. A lot of unknowns. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go with Sage Karam. Why not? Uh, you know, he's uh, also another indie car guy, but he's more of a oval indie car guy than he is a road racer. But he has road racing experience as well. And this, uh, you know, one of the races on his limited schedule. So I'll go with uh, another indie car guy uh, as a wild card for uh, Xfinity uh, this weekend. Solid pick. He was running up front at Road America last year, and then he got hooked by um, Gagson. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm. The the uh, Alpha Prime team, I think they circle road courses and the super speedways amongst the, the tracks that they have a chance at, kind of like the likes of, uh, uh, what do you call, Jeremy Clements or, or um, some of the smaller efforts in the series, uh, for sure. The uh, main event, of course, is the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix for the NASCAR Cup Series. There will be 39 cars for, so there won't be any um, issues with qualifying. Everybody will make the show. And changes in drivers. The first one, of course, is Jordan Taylor, the Corvette racing driver, um, Rodney Sandstorm, whichever way you want to call him. He's going to be driving the number nine Unifirst Chevy for Hendrick, uh, a.k.a. Clyde's car. You have 2009 Formula One world champion Jensen Button making his NASCAR debut with uh, Stuart Haas support through Rick Ware Racing and a Mobile One Ford. Uh, we'll go a little further down. 
through the list. And then the next thing is Connor Daly. You'll be driving the money team bit Nile Chevy with Tony Uri Jr. as his crew chief. And then the 40, yeah, Mike. Okay. Yeah. So, and then, uh, what is it? Live fat. Yeah. They have Blicky. Oh, one, uh, Jim Johnson will, uh, make his second appearance of 2023 driving the club Wyndham number 84 for his legacy motor club effort of course todd gordon's his crew chief former crew chief for uh joey logano and uh works for P- uh, the mrn uh, for mrn when he's not crew chiefing this 84 car and then the 91 will be uh will be 2007 formula one world champion kimi raikkonen and uh, driving his second career cup race uh for track house and project 91 with darian grubb as his crew chief so they'll have three cars this week legacy motor club will have three cars this week um you know so that'll and then you'll have an f1 world champion driving for rick ware racing last year they had joey hand run all those races and he did pretty well honestly um and that was with the stage breaks and that's one thing that has changed uh with the uh, road racing now this year they are going to give stage points at certain sp- spots but they are not going to throw yellows they're going to let the race go and work organically so the way road courses used to work is whenever your pit window opened you'd go and take a pit stop trying to hedge for full course yellows and all that stuff trying to make it on the least amount of pit stops so that level of strategy is back though when they do have cautions they will have a choose cone uh, uh choose rule which will be different than any other than they've had at road courses before so that's also something to look at a couple of big changes coming in there um i will uh leave the because usually i run through the sponsors because it's only 36 but there's the changes there i think what did i put up there i put up uh you know and the part-timers and subs i talked about them a little bit but i guess josh before you go and start making your picks i mean you're you you look at some of these guys we go back to the heyday of the Ron Fellows, Boris said, time time in in the Cup Series when they would go and run limited races and they generally have a chance, uh, Boris said, when he was driving for MB2, um, even driving for himself if he could actually make the show with the weather always affecting him. Ron Fellows driving for Joe Niedicek and then Dale Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. Scott Pruitt as well. Scott Pruitt with his low down, dirty, whatever thing and talking about Juan Pablo Monterrier, who was his teammate. Um, Scott Pruitt did, of course, do well for Ganassi um, there as well. Just as an example, those are three examples. I brought up uh, one young Tom Kendall uh, who filled in for Kyle Petty back in 1991 at Sonoma in the Mellow Yellow Pontiac and was a few laps away from winning that Cup Series race, uh, got into a uh, door-banging battle with Mark Martin in the Folgers Ford at that time, cut a tire, had to go and pit, and ended up uh, not getting the finish that he probably wanted. He'd led a lot of laps that day, and uh, that was a race where Ricky Rudd uh, turned Davy Allison and got uh, penalized black flagged and lost the race to Davy Allison. So that was kind of the selective enforcement of the day. And they screwed over the rooster of all people. So there was a lot going on in that particular race. And that was a couple of months or a few weeks or whatever before 
uh, Tommy Kendall had a serious accident at, at Watkins Glen that was one part, one of two major incidents that took place that summer that uh, prompted Watkins Glen to add the inner loop, the bus stop, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, so I, I bring up Tommy Kendall because I look at Jordan Taylor getting a chance to drive the nine car. And I think that might be the best case scenario of a driver driving a full-time legitimate team. I think Pruitt was in the 41 for Jimmy Spencer back in the day, probably. Uh, that might be one of them. And then, and then Ron Fellows is driving the one car for DEI. Yep. Granted, good good cars, good cars, but you're talking about the lead car at Hendrick Motorsports, who is the biggest team in the sport, essentially. And the guy, and that's the car that of the guy who has made his name essentially winning road races in William Clyde Elliott the second. Um, albeit it's not the same team because you know, what do you call uh Gustafson suspended, other people are out, but I think that's the best case of a ringer getting into a top flight vehicle in what amounts to like 30 years 30 something years in my opinion but what are your thoughts on that and some of the other guys that are going to be coming over here to run this race it's going to be a worldwide deal hell gunther steiner is going to be in the booth with kurt bush so you're going to have a whole bunch of cursing going on there uh <laughs> between kurt bush and uh gunther steiner no yeah <laughs> i like that um Gunther is going to be in the the booth for this one. It should be an interesting broadcast. Um, I mean, seeing how his personality is, and um, you know, if you watch Drive to Survive, you know, he's um, pretty entertaining there um, with how they followed him over the years on that that show. But I, you know, I'd like also, you know, you mentioned all the road racers coming in here. I like that, you know, after a long period where in nascar where they didn't really have any road ringers uh come into this series um you know part of it was because um you know they needed to stay in the top 35 the other you know and and um also you know because um they were trying to you know keep owners points and but then there was also you know the you know the extra entries you remember the um Ganassi had the 39 car for Pruitt um, a couple of times. Uh, I think Fellows ran the 81 for DEI maybe one year or two, I think. Um, and also drove the one car. Uh, Boris said, of course, driving the 01, which, you know, right racing there. Um, I think he drove the 66 one year or two for Jasper Racing and um, the then he ran his own car. And the he drove the yep. He did for the Jasper Racing. He drove the twenty three Winston car for yeah. Travis Carter in in substitute for Jimmy Spencer. That put him on the NASCAR map, even though he was driving in the Truck Series at that time. Yeah, yeah. So you, I mean, you got that, and that was like you know, I was always looking forward to seeing those guys compete. Uh, NASCAR has always made it interesting, of course, um, and kind of brought an extra element to the road races and. Uh, everything so um yeah i'm with all the you know really credible guys i mean this is a whole nother level i mean those guys were you know through road racers um but now we got a couple of grand prix racing champions you know in formula one coming over here uh to america to race obviously kimi raced last year and brought a lot of fanfare uh to watkins Glen. but now we've got jensen coming here to race uh, the 15 car of course testing for um 
garage 56 and so he's got a little bit of experience now uh racing in a you know pseudo stock car uh around um you know other tracks daytona uh sebring uh other road atlanta other places so um you know that it's pretty pretty interesting there too and of course jordan taylor um as well in the nine car um but yeah i'm curious now and they have a legitimate chance to win not only because you know they're in good cars but also, you know, the Gen six or Gen seven car is a you know a road racing stock car and it's gonna give advantage to their abilities to be able to road race and handle uh you know around these these uh you know thirteen you know I twelve turn racetrack at uh, or twenty turn racetrack at Coda. So um it should be interesting to see. Uh but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that and seeing how some how they stack up against uh, you know some of these regulars in the Cup Series. Um, but uh, for me, I think you know this weekend, Coda, uh, I'm going to pick Kyle Busch to win. Uh, I think you know again the eight car they were really good on road courses last year. Uh, Tyler Reddick, of course, won uh, at Road America and then won later at. Uh, Indianapolis road course. So I'm going to go with Kyle Busch uh, winning this weekend uh, at Coda. Uh, I think he's obviously been pretty good on road courses before, but you know, he hasn't pulled through uh, as of late, you know, in his career on road courses, but I think, you know, he um, can get his second win uh, with, uh, with Richard Childress racing this weekend. Uh, They seem to have turned a corner uh, at least with him in the eight car uh and i think you know he'd be pretty competitive um wild card yeah i'm gonna go with kimi um i think he's gonna be a factor in this race i think he was running really well uh when he ran uh back at watkins Glen. of course got caught up in a mess uh there and got crashed out but um yeah i think he does pretty well in this this event uh this weekend and you know really Really curious to see uh, his second race uh, in a stock car. Uh, now he's racing at a racetrack that he's had plenty of experience in in Formula One, um, and I think you know he can do pretty well uh, at this racetrack. So looking forward to seeing how he's able to uh, run uh, in the ninety-one car, uh, and I think he'll he'll do the best. I think of the ringers uh, in this uh, in this race. Yeah, those are solid picks. I mean, Kyle Busch, it makes a lot of sense with the Bern- Randall Burnett and company uh, and Kyle Busch being the accomplished road racer that he is. It's It would make sense that they could go out there and do do work. Uh, for me, let's see. My uh, choice for the winner this weekend at COTA uh, will, uh, will be, it's interesting, I was kind of, it, it Picking Kyle Busch, I'm like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. And it's like, do I really go Ross Chastain to re- repeat? Eh, not really sure about that. And I already picked Adrian Allmendinger in the Xfinity series. I mean, he's done the double before. I think he's had a double once in his career. Uh, kind of, I kind of went and hedged. Uh, kind of, yes, it's, it's somewhat of a tough pick. But you know what? I'm going to go Gumby. Uh, he's been up there. He is an accomplished road racer. He's been due for some better luck to go and finally come through on a road course in the Cup Series. That's where he won his first truck race. That's where he won his first Xfinity race. So, I mean, that's it. It's only a matter of time. And there were times last year where he had pace, but the finishes didn't come. So I'll go with uh, Austin Sendrick Gumby. 
to get his second career win. Uh, Gumby Sindrick wins. And my wild card is Jordan Taylor, just for uh, what I had said before. I mean, Rodney Sandstorm, he's dreamed about being Jeff Gordon. Well, he gets to work for Jeff Gordon. Uh, he drives Jeff Gordon's car, essentially, because the nine team is what the old 24 team is. More or less, the team is still intact. I mean, they're, they're, they're a solid effort. Josh Berry has been doing good enough. I mean, through three races, he's done the best he could. I mean, you go to a super speedway, that's not his cup of tea. Gets a top 10 finish at Phoenix. The first race was kind of a cluster at Vegas, but no fault of his own. If they can put him in the right spot, Jordan Taylor's just, it's he's free rolling. He may never drive a cup car ever again. You know he's going to go for it. So that could be huge in regards to a finish late in the race of that nine cars up there. And the nine car and their history in general recently of winning so many road races so those are the picks we'll see how they work and if any of them come through uh, we'll review them again next week on episode 162 of the gripster podcast uh before we get to all that we have to go to uh josh for all things in iRacing and in sim racing in the sim segment so uh, let us know what's going on there josh on mute yeah, as always, of course, um, you know, I think with uh, Sim, the Sim segment this week, I'll start off with uh, something a little bit interesting. Um, uh, recently, I bought a, another monitor, so uh, I have three monitors now, and I decided to set up triples, and, uh, you know, now I have more than just the single view outside the cockpit. Now I have the left and right sides, so, you know, hopefully that'll help me improve a little bit better uh on the sims side of things and you know being able to um you know run uh on iRacing um and have a little bit better field of view um to navigate through traffic and um you know run closer to the wall closer to other uh you know other drivers and stuff so yeah that's kind of what i was testing out this weekend um took a little bit to set it up and everything but um liking it so far although i'm trying to still i think my eyes are still trying to get used to it um because it's a wider um you know view uh with the left and right sides and so you know just trying to get my get my eyes used to it i guess um um and everything and not not feel disoriented i guess so not really feeling that much but i knew maybe if i did it for an hour i don't know how i'd feel i only did it for maybe like half hour at most or you know, or anything like that, or not an hour, but maybe longer. But, um, so I'm trying that out right now. Um, and, uh, you know, everything. So, uh, liking it so far, like I said, and, you know, hoping to be a little bit more competitive on that side, uh, and everything. Cause I know most, a, lo- a lot of, uh, really good sim racers, obviously, and people who are able to do it, um, you know, they run triples and, um, everything. So it's a, you know, pretty good investment there, I think. Um, otherwise, you know, I, I mean, I did do the cup car, uh, the, the old gen four cup car at Homestead, uh, ran that uh, a couple times, I think. And it was, uh, definitely an experience for sure. Uh, the cup car, you know, really hard to get back to the gas on, you know, corner exit, like it should be, um, you know, you try to get back to the gas and then, 
uh, car starts to turn loose and everything. Uh, so you, know, you really got to be careful on the throttle and save the tires throughout the race. And that's exactly what I tried to do. Uh, I think I came in like 10th or 12th, I think. So it wasn't like a really great result, but, um, you know, it was really tough and everything. So, you know, sometimes that's how it goes, but really enjoyed running, uh, in that car, uh, this weekend, um, or this past weekend, um, did a little bit of, uh, racing on Charlotte Roval, uh, in the, uh, gt4 the bmw gt4 so um trying trying out that car as well uh seemed to like it a bunch uh there so looking forward to trying to do that one a little bit more um let's see this week of course uh now the new season of uh i racing underway season two uh this week of course um you got the nascar series all at uh, Circuit of the Americas on iRacing this weekend or this week. So uh, should be interesting there. Um, got, let's see, the other series, uh, 87 cars at Talladega. So that should be always fun. Always try to uh, get into that one you know, throughout the, throughout the weekend, throughout the week. Uh, oh yeah. And I also tried the formula Ford as well. So I forgot about that one, but they released the formula Ford recently on iRacing and, um, try that one out. I uh, didn't race, but just tested at Laguna Seca. So, uh, I like the handling of that car and, uh, everything and was able to set pretty good lap times pretty quickly. Toyota GR86 car, Gazoo racing at, uh, Lime Rock Park this weekend or this week. So that's another, probably try to take a look at, uh, let's see, um, trying to see where's the cup, the uh, 87 not the 87 but the you know the regular uh cup car from you know the gen 4 cup car uh let's see if i own maybe it's a track that i don't own own car uh gen 4 gen 4 cup car where is that at uh can't find it there's so many so many series here uh i don't know can't oh well arca Arca is at Michigan, so that might be that might be something to uh, try out. Oh, Gen Four at Richmond, so that's um, I don't have Richmond, so that's probably why I didn't see that there. So, but the schedule for the Gen Four Cup car, see schedule Richmond this week, and then Charlotte Oval next week, then Bristol Motor Speedway Daytona in a couple weeks, week of April 11th, so the week after Easter, April 18 at at Auto Club. Um, Dover, Atlanta, Talladega, Nashville, Super Speedway, Darlington, Texas, uh, 2009. Uh, so that's the schedule for the cup car on iRacing for the old uh, cup car. So looking forward to trying out that one uh, a little bit more in the coming weeks, of course. Uh, IndyCar, the current you know, IR18, uh, of course. Um, open wheel uh, road or oval oval track let's see uh open wheel c at uh new hampshire motor speedway i also don't have that track so um might be a little bit although uh cars late model tour the late model car from uh that they just released r- racing at new, uh, north wilkesboro so maybe i gotta go get my dale jr north wilkesboro shirt and put that one on and race at that one uh this week at some time might have to do that we'll see um got got a lot of a lot of series of course uh, a lot of races that you know be able to run uh this week so um yeah i think yeah that's pretty much it for sim racing just you know trying out different things got a little bit addition to the setup here that i think will help me uh be better and everything so looking forward to uh doing that a little bit more this week um of course as always when i stream um 
stream at uh, Twitch TV uh, slash Usailor2. Go in there and watch all my streams and everything. And uh, I'll make sure to try to let you all know when I try to stream and can go in there and watch my racing and everything. Uh, don't think I'll have the triple screen set up on, on, on the stream. That might be a little bit tough uh, to get on there because um, I definitely use up a lot of resources uh, trying to stream all three screens. I don't think you need to see all three screens to watch my stuff, but it's there of course so i'll try to try to stream whenever i can uh this week um probably towards the end of the week a little bit busy with work this week and everything so you'll see there but yeah, that's where i'll have all my stuff uh and of course um my personal twitter jp huffine go on there and follow my stuff all all my thoughts and everything on the races and everything else I like to talk about uh go in there and follow me of course and then uh, our youtube page at grift street podcast uh go in there and see our video format of everything that we do on here on this show uh go in there and watch or listen and listen to the whole deal there so go in there subscribe like comment uh subscribe onto that channel and see our stuff there so yeah i mean that's it for me this week um of course uh we did uh, um talk about basketball of course a little bit uh got Got my bracket, of course, uh, relying on four teams now to help me uh, get anything I can get. Uh, I have teams that I think that help me that are still uh, alive, Texas, Alabama, uh, UCLA, uh, and Tennessee. I need to win this uh, next round to at least have something left or else my bracket is completely dead. So didn't really do good this year in the bracket, but maybe still have a chance as long as all those teams win. And then UCLA goes, goes all the way to that's who I picked. So to win the championships. So there's that. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's all, that's all this week for me, of course. So let you fill take, uh, take it for the close. All right. As always, thanks Josh for all your insight and, uh, especially on the sim side with uh, your now expanding, you know, field of view and cockpit. Now you're getting close to really being a maybe an actual Indy 500 champion. I may be trying Ryan Bold would hire you, but if not, you're still you could definitely be an engineer. Or maybe you can get in uh, Saber Cooks. Oh no, she's taken right. Uh, but either way, thanks as always for being my bro and being my co my sidekick here on this deal uh, for me. Um, I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter, and you can find us at Gripstrip Pod on Twitter. Essentially, if if you know if you're anywhere, you can listen to a, a podcast. You can hear the Gripstrip Podcast. Um, Josh, of course, mentioned the YouTube page. Um, I've been a little behind, so there might get a couple of episodes this week. So if you hear this after you've heard uh, last week's episode, then God bless you. Um, we'll see all that and. Uh, We'll be back for episode and I, or before that, sorry, I was on the Grid Talk podcast yesterday for their uh, recap of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. So you could check that out on their F1 Chronicle, um, the Grid Talk, uh, different, I'm trying to figure out like the Grid Talk podcast. You can find it there and on the socials. And then you can also uh, find it on YouTube on the Grid Talk podcast page as well for the video. So for that, uh, for Josh, I'm Phil. We'll be back for episode 162 of the Grip Strip podcast next week, which will cover uh, NASCAR's triple header at Coda. 
And then we had, uh, as I mentioned, we have MotoGP, NHRA, Formula E, and then there will be a full weekend at Albert Park with the top three series and FIA open wheel going in F1, F2, F3. Supercars will be back for their second race of their season. And IndyCars will be back. So we'll get to preview all that. Cup and Xfinity at Richmond while trucks are the... uh, the part part of the what do you call the deal for texas at in their indycar race so talk about all that here next week on episode 162 uh once again for josh i'm phil take care god bless and goodbye